Hi, everyone, and welcome to Howcast. This is an interview episode. I get to talk to my friend Aki Narida. I met Aki a few years ago when he was a recruiter at WeWork Japan, where he essentially helped to build up one of WeWork's、uh, most high performing teams in the world. I've been wanting to talk to Aki for a long time because he's definitely one of the most interesting and unique people that I've met.、Uh, he grew up in a Christian cult in Japan. Went to Mexico at a very young age, had his first child at the ripe young age of 19, never had any formal education, yet was able to flourish in his career as a recruiter at companies big and small. Now he's gone on to a more entrepreneurial pursuit, which involves rural development, and he's got a podcast as well as a growing coaching business. Um, all with the mission of trying to help people find connections and experiences that will make them more human. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Aki Narida. Aki Narida, welcome to the pod. Well, I'm super honored to be here, Howard. Glad to be on the show. You helped me out previously, so you know, more than more than happy to be here. You know, if it wasn't for you, I, I wouldn't even be doing this. So you actually inspired、wow. me to, to for better or for worse, the world better for be ready. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if it is for worse, at least I know who to blame.、Uh, yeah, right.、So. I've unleashed the Howard. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, thanks for being here. Do you want to start off with a quick summary of what you're up to these days? Of course, I'd be happy to. So that that's a really good question and. And as we talked about earlier, before we started recording this,、uh, it's kind of hard to really summarize what I'm doing because I'm so I feel like I'm so scatterbrained. I don't know if you ever get that,、uh, but I would summarize it into right now. I'm looking to work on this big project of mine. It's been a dream, and I'm starting to chase, and that is to help the re redevelop the rural areas of Japan. So basically, I'm trying to build these、uh, places where people can. Go outside of Tokyo, or who live in Tokyo can come outside, enjoy nature while they can work. Because you know, workation or、uh, working remotely is getting more common nowadays. So being able to build a place where they can stay, work, but not just do that, but also like experience the local like things that activities, right? Like working with the local farmers, local fishermen, going out making the pottery with the local artisan, all that like old Inaka Japan that people may forget. And while doing that, to really be able to connect with those people and feel like they're connected as part of that community, because I think that's going to really help、uh, people's lives just kind of reconnect with themselves. I don't know. Again, that's、yeah. that's a kind of summary, I guess, or not. <laughs> But that's what I'm working on right now. I think we're we're all very connected to to our de- devices. Yeah. Obviously, in this day and age,、um, this is a a business model and a direction that I think a lot of people are are thinking about. Yeah. Um, I think so, and、uh, the main reason I started and kind of realized this when I helped launch WeWork in Japan, and that's actually where we met.、Uh, I realized that people really lack that、uh, authentic human connection, but when they find it, that's what draws them to want to come back to that experience, right?、Uh, in the, such a busy world, people are so worried about you know their jobs, their stresses, their friends, or whatever. We kind of forget to just actually just have a Sit down, enjoy life, enjoy just each other's company, and just connect as human beings、uh, with themselves, with nature, and just you know have those real, authentic communities. And that's I think what we were what we were able to do really well there. 
uh, in a world where there's so many co-working spaces and competitors out there, I think at least for Japan, uh, we were able to do that, which brought a lot of people wanting to join our, our spaces and, and platform. Well, you were very intimately involved in the launch of WeWork, and obviously I was. You, you essentially built up the, the, the talent pipeline and the whole team. I did, yep. I hired a lot of the team there, yeah. And back in 2018, when I was a, a member mm. at the second WeWork, yeah. WeWork in Shimashi. That's right. Uh, immediately, I could I could feel the difference mm. in, in the energy right. of the entire office space. Mm. And we, uh, you know, I, I quickly latched on to the fact that this company is, right. is very serious about building community. Yeah, and I think it's just because we had so many just amazing people as well. We hired some amazing people to really help us. Uh, but you know Japan. I'm sure you know a lot of people who work in like traditional Japanese work culture where, you know, it's it's not the most, I guess, you, you people aren't really like engaged, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a number that's really interesting about 80% of the global workforce is disengaged at work. In Japan, the number goes to, I believe, is 94%, right? And after work, there, there's so much just like that. This lack of general, just, how do you say, disconnection with other people. And I have friends, unfortunately, going back who decided to take their own life. So that like the lack of connection is really causing a lot of like this mental health issues that's affecting the country uh, and just so many people's lives as well. So being able to create those authentic connections that can help each other when life gets tough, when you go through uh, difficult times, when you have that someone who can listen to you or you can just talk to, I think that makes a world of a difference. Can you remember... Mm any specific instance in your career that really helped you solidify this kind of mindset? Um, I don't know if it was like one specific moment. It was more about just uh, like throughout, even before we work, and this is something I've always been able to do, I guess, is whether it's just internally within my team, build that strong like sense of camaraderie almost where people just felt like there was that like safety area where when things got tough, you know, instead of just like yelling at and getting at each other's throats, it's like, all right, let's let's get this, let's do it together, let's help each other out. And because we had that that like that, that I guess trust or that community, uh, our team was my team was always we were always like at the top performing teams in all my companies that I've worked with. So I just going through that um, and just. Also, my childhood, uh, we'll, we'll probably get into this later on, but I grew up in, a, in one of those weird communes <laughs> in Japan. Very rare, very different. But I, I guess, you know, it wasn't all great. But the one good takeaway of it is, like, I, I grew up with a lot of for good friends. that I can, I can say that there was that community that we had. Uh, so just, yeah, I just kind of took that and brought it into work. And then the more I worked in the corporate world, I kind of realized that people want more of this. There's, there's that lack, especially in Japan, I think. There's that lack of real, genuine, authentic connections. Even in Tokyo, it's like the most crowded city in the world. But a lot of my friends will say that it also is like, feels sometimes it's like one of the most lonely places in the world as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's not like that one instance to answer your question. It's just more like a gradual buildup. A kind of validating this thing that I've been like thinking of or been part of since I was young and the older I got the more I kind of you know got into my career I started to see the need for that this people in general to, for that connection and that without it you know 
people are miserable. People are sad. People are all, we're all longing for, you know, connection. Mm-hmm. Just kind of human nature, right? We're communal creatures. So You brought up uh, your very unique mm. upbringing yeah. um, in, in the commune. Um, on your website bio, mm. uh, you mentioned that it's a, it's a fringe Christian group that some might even call a cult. Yeah, it was labeled a cult. Actually, we use the word cult to describe it. So very, very interesting background. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, um, tell us more about that. Sure. That that's good. It's a lot. Of, I mean, like, so there was a lot of articles written mm-hmm. about this group that I was part of. It was called the Family International. Uh, so a lot of bad stuff were written about it as well. Like, I personally never experienced a lot of these things, but I have friends who who have, like, just random stuff. But for my personal experience. It was again living in a in a commune, and because the the group was based out of U.S. out of the U.S., the like the lingua franca or the, the default language that was taught to all the kids there was English. So my background and education was all English. Again, another really just weird, especially for a Japanese guy like me, it's just definitely not your normal. Uh, thing I definitely don't recommend joining a cult. <laughs> don't do it for all those listening out there. Thanks for the heads Say up. no. But uh, it, it was just part of my experience. And, you know, for better or for worse, and this is something that's interesting about life, you know, even like me growing up in that cult, that commune, uh, there was a lot of things that I feel like put me at a disadvantage in life, sure. But, like, no matter how difficult or the shit life throws at you. Sorry, I shouldn't swear on this. Or no, know. no, no. This okay. is a podcast. This is all? We're not Sweet. on national television Okay, yet. great. Not yet? Not yet, not are you yet. sure? <laughs> but, uh, so, but, you know, it's like there's always good. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned. Because I always, like, was, how do you say, for the longest time, I was embarrassed about my childhood. Like, I wouldn't really openly say it or present it to people. Because it was, like, kind of like this embarrassing thing I was sort of ashamed of. But, you know, I eventually came to a realization that no one has a perfect childhood, right? If you go to some places in, like, the world where there's, like, child slavery or, or like, you know, children forced to be soldiers to kill other human beings, it's like, I've had it pretty damn good. I can't complain. At, at what age mm. did you realize the that you're living a life that was different uh, from pretty others. pretty early because i wasn't actually born into this okay yeah so my we my parents officially joined i believe now again that the dates are in numbers are a bit hazy because i was still young but i believe i was about five or six years old so around that time so pretty young but i also remember growing up not in a commune if that makes sense so, so you actually lived somewhere else before you moved into the commune? Yes. Okay. Well, well this commune, they have one in Japan, but they have like different locations. They call it homes mm-hmm. uh, throughout Japan. But I do remember vividly the days before that when we were a well, relatively normal family living in our own mansion, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, apartment, I guess in English. And just, you know, my sisters went to a good school or was probably going to go to a good school. Uh, we spoke Japanese only, uh, but yeah, I my parents were already in touch with these groups. I do remember like visiting these these homes or these communes, uh, and so I remember like you know seeing non Japanese people and them speaking English, and I wouldn't really understand mm-hmm. very vaguely. So I can't really how do you say uh, like clearly pinpoint when and like how. But yeah, 
I like when I realized I always knew it was different, especially when I joined and I have relatives who are normal, well, as far as normal goes, right? They're, they're pretty old fashioned, traditional Japanese families. And, uh, you know, they go through their normal upbringing, normal school route, and I wasn't. And my education was all in English. And because of that, my Japanese was very behind and very weak. So again, comparing myself to my cousins or relatives, it was that very stark reminder of, of the difference. So I had that since I was young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had a point of reference to life before I, I, I mean, Yeah, I, I do. But again, I was so like young. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it's still, like, it's kind of, you know. It's a bit hazy. A bit hazy. Like bit I do hazy. remember certain things about the house we lived in uh, before joining I do remember that, but it was almost like a, a grad, like it's kind of like a gradual shift. It didn't suddenly like, boom, Got and it. then life changed. Like, because we were already interacting with them, right. and then eventually we moved in. But it was already like, like interacting a lot with with the group. That is, was the group new at the time, or not really? I mean, it may have been in Japan. In but again, Japan. I don't remember that too okay. much. Uh, so my my grandparents, and, and this is kind of how it started, were. They were very wealthy uh, in Japan, so so relatively well known in the business world, especially in the Ginza area. Mm-hmm. So they had, they had they had a lot of money, and they were like they got really interested in, in the teachings. And the cult was basically a Christian-based uh, group, right, commune. So they were really interested in that. So they helped fund a lot of their their like I guess I don't even know what you would call it their operations in Japan. Expansion and yeah, <laughs> expansion. Yeah, I guess you can say that. It makes it sound weird or legit or like a like an army invading it kind of was i guess an infestation uh, but uh so yeah I, I do have that recollection and so i grew up though one of the main areas i grew up in that group is my my grandparents wanted to build a like kind of like their own small village for them uh, and they built a school that they were originally using to help my grandmother's project which is to help like delinquent youths people from like uh bad families that you know they were rescued from these you know, horrible like abused abusive families and you know like uh how do you say what wealth welfare mm-hmm. so my grandmother grandfather used to host them in their summer house then they started to do a little bit bigger they built an actual like school building uh but after that i don't i'm not sure what happened but you know they eventually ha- gave it handed that over to the the group mm-hmm. so the group was living there for a um, you know, many members it was like up to like over 250 people were living in that place and then there's also other properties within that um, neighborhood that my grandparents owned as well I so see. it was a very it's like we had our own small village again it was on a mountaintop so it's almost like this <laughs> freaky you it's know a city on a hill yeah it, what was that what was that like a scandinavian film that recently came out about this cult and the, like the scary horror type thing I, I try to stay away from scary okay movies. yeah well anyways I didn't even watch it but this it's like we had they had their own little literal village uh, up um, in the mountains yeah Tateyama yeah so again very weird odd upbringing so I recently learned mm. that one of the strongest carriers of, of memory is mm. our sense of smell yes so. I was interested in that and immediately there's this disinfectant when you were growing up, one of the smells the smells that... of the... And that reminds me of when I was growing up in this commune. And it, there's this, like, I don't know, industrial-grade disinfectant that they would clean everything with. I remember that smell distinctly. I don't even know how to describe it. Is that smell also uh, omnipresent in the COVID days? 
No, it's not. Like, it's this old disinfectant that you might smell in these old buildings when they're cleaning the bathrooms. And it wasn't a bad smell, it was a disinfectant smell. It's like a, I don't even know, it's like this very distinct, strong, and I remember that so clearly. But it was like, again, it's quite long ago. I don't remember, like, I can't, dis- like, it's just like, I don't really know how to describe the smell. Mm. Besides saying disinfectant. <laughs> right. So, um, so, so this community mm. essentially led you to, to Mexico. Yes, through that. So I moved to Mexico when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So it was not necessarily a rule or anything, but it, as this part of the you know, whole Christian community group things, they would, in, I guess, encourage, I guess, mm-hmm. or promote, I would say is another word, uh, to go live abroad or like you know the mission work or like this bunch of humanitarian projects that you do as well so i decided to wanted i wanted to go to mexico right and there was a family that used to live in japan as part of that group mm-hmm. who moved to mexico and i was close friends with a few of them mm-hmm. with, their, with the kids that were my age uh, so i choose that but my i have four i have three i have two older sisters one younger brother and we all went somewhere so my two older sisters went to russia mozambique africa my wow. younger brother went to india and taiwan wow but not for the length of time I was gone. But yeah, that. So, that. so what age did you go to Mexico? Sixteen. And you were there for Mexico, I believe, over five years. Okay. It must have been nearly six or about five, six years. Okay. Yeah, and then after that, so I ended up moving to Venezuela mm-hmm. for a, over two years, and then also during that time in Venezuela, over two years, I also spent uh, on, like over half a year, I believe, it was in Colombia, Bogota. Mm. So yeah, Latin Central South America is is kind of that that teenage formative years in a way. That's very interesting. Yeah, it was. I loved it. And like, I was supposed to come back to Japan after six months when I went to Mexico. I was sixteen, you know, mm-hmm. stupid sixteen year old teenager. Uh, but just after arriving in Mexico, yeah, I just fell in love with the with the the culture and. The, yeah, tacos, tacos. <laughs> the tacos. God, I still can't get over the tacos. I think even on my like uh, my my Tinder profile, it's like yeah, there's a question that says, "What is one thing you still can't get over?" And it is taqueria in, in Polanco. That oh my mm. god, the best thing in the world, and I still can't get over it. And I'm still looking for that perfect taco. Japan actually is not bad, no. I mean, there are some. Yeah, are but it's places. different, man. It's yeah. it's like I don't know. It's like eating sushi or like ramen abroad. Right. I don't know if you have. Like to I be have. honest, I've had sushi in Mexico, but it, it's more like uh, cream cheese with avocado and smoked salmon, mm. with some thing they sauce that they called it. They said it was soy sauce, but it was definitely not any type of soy sauce I know. Uh, right. It wasn't bad, but it's not like, is it the same thing? Not really. So the tacos in Japan, I mean, there are some okay ones, but like, I'm still looking for that, 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 that feeling of the taqueria, you know, they're like two pesos for a tiny taquito. And you just go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night and just go out with your friends and you just, you know. It's the, it's the context. It's the con- Yeah, maybe the that's what it is, perhaps. But Japan is not doing bad, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's still missing. I don't know what it is, man, because it's... I don't. I don't think it's that complicated to, uh, to make. So other than uh, this love of tacos, uh, you mentioned that these are your formative years that you spent. Yes, in um, in Latin America. I mean, all the, um, formative years is a, okay. I'm I'm kind of exaggerating because I guess I would say formative years is anywhere from what like six to eighteen. But yeah, I mean, I would say yeah, the big impact was just. 
culture one because again my upbringing was in japan and japan is a very how do you say uh, reserved culture very polite but it's very reserved uh, and how would you say like i don't know you, you've been here for a while uh, my impression, having lived in Tokyo for four years, mm. is that the culture here uh, is is not necessarily reserved, but it's. Uh, I feel like people will only show you twenty percent. Yes. Yeah. And they'll put the twenty percent right in front of them. Yeah, and like once you get to know them, you know they're obviously the same as everyone else, and they love to go Correct. out drinking and have fun. I mean, go to Sakura season like your yoga park. You'll probably see like a, a random naked person one or two right running yeah, around. Yeah, yeah people yeah. love no, to drink I look in Japan. for that. Oh yeah, like, hey, there you go. Where's the, where's the naked guy this year? I know, goddamn COVID. It's it's yeah. uh, you know getting our entertainment yeah as well. Uh, but yeah, talking about my formative years again. I mean, obviously that part in Japan until I was sixteen, those were my formative years as well. But I think what really I would say like influenced me a lot, definitely that experience of being in Latin America. I mean, it's so different from Japan. And and again, I was supposed to only stay there for six months. It turned out to be what seven, eight, nine years. Not remember exactly right now that how long it was, but you know, definitely longer than six months. And I came back with two kids. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's quite an accomplishment. That's uh, yeah, yeah. I have three kids now. Uh, but yeah, so that was definitely yeah. I, I mean, just I learned so much. Just another culture. And Japan again, as we were talking about, is very reserved. Is very uh, you know, people aren't like they're not how do you say just out there like the Latinos, right? But when I was able to experience that culture, how friendly, just outgoing and bright everyone were or are over there, it's it's just yeah. For me, it was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, and of course, the tacos and you know the cute woman. I was sixteen, hell, you know, going through those teenage hormonal phases. Uh, and I was like, holy crap, I love this. Mm-hmm. So I ended up yeah, just yeah, staying longer than six months, a lot longer. <laughs> Man, three kids. I mean. So that was part of my formative years, I guess, because yeah. I had, you know, I have my eldest is 14. Uh, right, so my right. first was born when I was still 19. That's incredible. I yeah. I don't recommend it, Howard. Don't do it. How, I mean, <laughs> I know, well, now, now I have to ask, like, in, in, the, in the first year that you had a child at the age of yeah, 19, I mean, what was that like? It was, so again, my story is unique in that it wasn't a planned thing. It wasn't like there was like a romantic feeling between two people. It Uh it was one of those stupid things that a young man does. He's not careful. He had, I'm not sure if it was protected or unprotected sex or not. So I got someone pregnant that uh, there was no, how do you say? No, no, there was no history or feelings like that, right? There's no like a normal couple stage. So that was a big one. But, you know, again, I grew up in a very, again, that cool Christian environment. And also my, you know, my parents are very traditional. And it was also my kids. So it's like your responsibilities. Like I made the choice. I made the decision. At the end of the day, it's my decision. I did. Uh, for better or for worse. And it's a kid, right? And it's my kid. And so that definitely just making that decision at 19 is like, all right, we're going to make this work one way or another for the kid's sake. Uh, and that... Yeah, how it changed. I mean, that changed my entire life. And until then, I was a 19-year-old teenager. You know, 19 is still mm-hmm. teenager, right? Basically. I mean, mm-hmm. technically, I guess in some countries, you're an adult. But that, yeah, that, I mean, that completely threw my, through my life plans. I don't think I had life plans at that time. But if I did, um, that went completely down the toilet. You know, it's like, now I'm responsible for a living human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And to be honest, it, at that time when I first heard the news, I remember vividly that, that night. It was at nighttime, and I was, like, we, she sat down. I was like, oh, I can't even tell you. Like, I'm pregnant. Like, seriously, that, that silence. I don't know how long it was. Was that a pregnant pause? It was, yeah, that, that the pregnant pause. I was 19. I had no, like, an attraction, like, romantically to that person at all. And finding that out, man, that was like, but it, but the decision to stay and to be a father, that was already, for me, it was already kind of a default thing. Right. Like, mai, as we right. would say in Japanese, right? It's, it's, how do you say in English? mai, whatever. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't tell you either. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it's like the default. It's, I was going to say that's a Japanese word. Shogun idea. So, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm really happy. That was, again, one of the best decisions. I'm super glad that I have that relationship still with my son. Again, we're divorced now. I don't live with my kids, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're literally what enabled me, I think, to be the person. Obviously, not I think. I know. Mm-hmm. They helped me shape me into the person I am today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live for my kids. They are literally the world for me. Mm-hmm. And everything I'm doing, again, these projects, these goals, and, and really what drove me to be successful in the corporate world, mm-hmm. if I didn't have the kids, I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I'd had that fire to to make it because I had no choice. You know, it's like that. You make it or your kids don't make it. <laughs> so I make it. <laughs> like there is no option for failure. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Like so, when I my first job was being a recruiter, and even getting that job was almost impossible because again, I had no formal education because I was part of that group, mm-hmm. and my Japanese, even though I'm 100% Japanese, uh, is is pretty bad. It's is worse than it is now. Now I'm getting a little used because I use that at work, mm-hmm. but when I came back from Japan, I didn't use it for like basically 10 years, right? So my Japanese level is like a kid's level talking to his parents, <laughs> literally. Uh, it was horrible, and again, I had the, a lot of self-esteem, a lot of self-doubt about you know, myself. I was ashamed of my upbringing. I was ashamed of like, kind of my my lacks. And again, I had you know two kids at that time when I first came back. I have three now. Gorgeous daughter to add to the two boys. Uh, but yeah, that was just uh, it was really difficult. But really, that what forced me what, what I experienced that first year of having my first one. And man, it just it just made me. I would say just grow up to be to be really simple kind of forced me to see life in a completely different way because until then you're young you live for yourself it's all about you John and, and it's not a bad thing it's just you're young it's, you, you should be like that I guess right just you're still trying to discover experiment uh, whatever but yeah for me it's like after you have a kid it's no longer about you anymore 100% it's always going to be about the kid first and foremost they are right. more important than you are right. like you as a parent like you will do anything for your kid. They become your priority. Because until then, for me, I was a priority, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and, and, and selfish, I guess, in, in a word. But not in a bad sense. You're just, you know, you don't have a kid. It's like, who am I also am I going to look after? Especially mm-hmm. when you're young. I mean, eventually, your parents too, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, then it was like, okay, I'm, I'm responsible for a human being. Mm-hmm. And on t- after that, everything in my life was for my kids. For my kid, then two, and then three. But yeah, that's that's kind of what uh, what traits in your kids are similar to your traits when you were growing up. Traits like my personality. Personality. Um. So what, what did they inherit from you? 
everyone is different. Like mm-hmm. three kids, each really unique. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I see myself most in though is my eldest. Like I feel like I was literally exact, and he is literally exactly like me when I was his age. Each year, like grow him, grow seeing him grow up. Now he's fourteen. He's a teenager. Uh, but like I can like actually feel what he's going through. Sounds weird, but it's like that's exactly like me. You know, it's it's weird how that happens. He's, he's only five years away from the age that you became a dad, and you need to have the talk. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use condoms. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, <laughs> I don't know. No, that, that's uh, that's good advice. That's good. Yeah, good advice. Everyone yes. is listening. Be safe. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, that, my, my second one, my first one is that has definitely got me like personality wise. Yeah. I, I completely like feel what he's going through, uh, and his personality. Again, I used to be very introverted, um, a deep thinker. He's a deep thinker. My second, um, I, I see the, 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 he loves to learn like interesting facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really into like right now, biology, uh, like marine biology. And, and w- w- weapons from World War Two, interestingly, oh. yeah, random stuff. But I'm like always been interested in like random stuff. Uh, I see that. So I used to like I was a geek. I to, and also because we were a part of that group, we didn't have much anything else to like amuse us with, entertain us. So it's like mm-hmm. books. I just read it. Like encyclopedias. I just go through it, collect random useless information. Um, I see that part of him. And my daughter, um, my daughter, just this bundle of joy. I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I would say now I'm like, I'm a, I became a more joyful person. So maybe that's it. Or maybe that's from my ex-wife, to be honest. Mm-hmm. She's more Latin American. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what I see myself in her. Maybe that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, she's just such a happy girl. It's, it's, it's awesome. When, when you started the... Think to achieve platform. Yeah, which you, you now have a, a podcast, Correct. which you record daily, every single day. So when Amazing. I get home tonight, because I did it through this morning, I need to record one. There you go. And when you mentioned that, uh, when you started this, you mentioned that one of your your motivations mm. was um, your your three children. Yes, right? everything again I've done is is literally probably. I'm thinking of them. What, what is the single most important idea that you want them to take away from right from this i mean i think it the podcast is that i i do is literally how do you say i'm recording my personal journey as i really chase or look for that dream that thing that i really want to do uh, and that's what i'm working on and you know all the way started from when i was a full-time employee at my previous company to leaving that company uh, launching this podcast, launching a coaching business, launching this online courses for recruiters, and now also I found out like the main thing I really want to do is about you know make, redeveloping the rural areas, build those communities and locations through this platform. Uh, but I want to sh- show them when they listen, when they become of age, I want this to be a record for them that no matter what background you have, no matter what like your circumstances are. If you believe you can do it, and that's what that think, do, achieve is. If you think, and part of that is like believe it, have that goal, make a goal specific, and believe it, uh, and then if you follow up with action, 
consistent, persistent action, no matter what, even if you fail, you try again, like you can achieve whatever it is you truly want. So it's basically, I just don't want them to ever feel like they're stuck. And if they get stuck in a situation, I want to show them that there is a way out, right? Mm -hmm. That there is hope, I guess, mm -hmm. for a better life, for a better world or whatever it is. I'm getting aspirational now, but um, that's kind of what I want to do. And I hopefully to my listeners, whoever's listening and my podcast, that's what they'll get as well. It's like you don't have to have like anything. If you have a goal, if you have a dream, if you have, if you can follow that up with action, not just keeping it as a daydream and just be persistent, consistent, you can change achieve your circumstances. a lot. Yeah, you can change your circumstances, literally. Because mm. that's how I, you know, when I came back from Latin America, you know, I left the group. Uh, I had two kids, no hope for getting a job. It's like, what was I going to do, <laughs> you know? But, and, that, and that's when I was introduced to this book called, uh, was it Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? Mm. And that kind of changed my, I guess, thought paradigm. And this let me understand that, okay, I'm going to change my circumstances. I'm not going to let my circumstances get me. Because I, I, got, I got in a pretty like depressed state at that time. Mm -hmm. like, I, literally, I didn't think there was any way out of my mess or hole I was in. And I had two kids, you know. I was like, what am I going to do for them? So was, I had some pretty dark moments in life at that time. But, yeah, so I managed to do it. You know, I got a job. And even at that job I was in, I was like, holy shit, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody. Like, there's imposter syndrome. Like, everyone around me is, like, went to all these really good universities, you know. Uh, you know, some people are, like, from Cornell or, like, you know, whatever. All these top universities in Japan or around the world. And I'm, like, the, like, who, former cult member kid? <laughs> you know who had his first kid when I was 19 and yeah he's Japanese sucks um, certainly but, the most interesting person yeah so but th that's the thing right so you can turn it around like any situation in life and that's what I'm learning is like no matter how dire or how bad you c if you own it if you can learn to own it you can use it mm -hmm. so once I start to like understand like I, I can own this it's my experience it's my life for better for worse I'm going to use it instead of let it and it use me. Mm. That's when things start to really switch. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I used to be a really shy, introverted person because, like, I felt like uh, I, had, I was, like, a you know worthless human being. And then I kind of turned it around. And now it's, like, people meet me and then I tell them my life story and they're like, oh, my God, you're such an interesting person. I think someone told me I was uh, the most interesting person they'd ever met. Wow. So, right. yeah. Was that, you know, commercial, the most interesting man in the, the world? Most that's interesting man. Yeah, uh, that's right. The beer commercial. Right. Yeah, except for I'm not that suave, unfortunately. But, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, when you get to that age, who knows? May, who knows? Yeah. yeah. And then and keep drinking the beer. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Become that, you It'll know, suave Don Juan. Yeah. Maybe that's when my, my Tinder is going to start you know, exploding. <laughs> 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 Just need to wait a few years. But, yeah. Uh, that That's hopefully, yeah. That, that's kind of where. where I don't, I don't even remember what the original question was. I went what on a tangent. Leave, uh, what you want your kids to take away? Yes, from, yes. From so that endeavors. that is what I want them to take away. Where do you want them to get validation from? Them validation? Yeah. Where do you so, want them to receive validation from? I mean, for me, it's like finding out. Like, I don't. I want them to receive validation from themselves. You know, because at the end of the day, if you can not rely on external circumstances or external people for your happiness and if you can have that like sense of self of you 
Um, and I'm not saying this in like the weird, you know, Instagram, I love me way. It's like, if you can own yourself, own your circumstances, the good and the bad, and you can mm. truly learn to say, I love me, that means forgiveness of your own past mistakes, forgiveness of those who hurt you, but also just yourself. You know, I think a lot of times, I mean, we are our own harshest judge. We judge us more harshly than anyone else in the world ever would or could, I think, I believe. Mm. Uh, we imprison ourselves, we reject ourselves before anyone else can reject us half the time, which is why a lot of people don't do certain things or like, there's a beautiful girl you want to talk to, right? Mm. Maybe you're so shy and you, you're like, yeah, she's never going to want to talk to me. And you reject yourself before you even get the opportunity because you never know, right? So like, like where do they want their validation to come from? I want them to be able to be happy with themselves, love themselves like really not not the instagram social media i love me crazy you know mm. stuff the superficial stuff but like deeply understand that they are amazing human beings and they don't need to have validation from outside circumstances when you can do that um and this is something i'm learning about as well I mean, like my quest for love uh, right <laughs> sounds weird uh you know my romantic side coming out but it's like i read i was listening to this podcast on relationship yeah, I'm, I'm that low now. <laughs> that oh, desperate. That's fine. Hey, man, no judgment here. Uh, thanks, man. But it, it's, it was like really great quote that says like, if you want to be loved, you got to be love. Mm. And I think that really starts with like really loving yourself in that deep, deep way. Mm. Like go through that darkest, deepest moments in life. And all the mistakes you made, all the things you, you were responsible for, all the guilt and can forgive that and still say I love me that that I think is going to be the best validation if you can do that then you're going to be able at peace with yourself if you're at peace with yourself you're going to be peace with the world I think a lot of people dismiss that as like fluffy BS this yeah. whole love yourself thing but but it's actually one of the hardest things to it do it is so hard and like again I think it's it's like like the connotation or relationship is just it's kind of got hijacked by and I'm not saying this to like throw shit on anyone, but you know, it's like everyone sees social media and like people like the superficial pictures and selfies that are filtered so high, like you don't even know sure. if the person's like an anime or a real person. I love me. It's like, yeah. I, I hate that shit. Like, to be honest, I'm like a freaking Scrooge, you know, like yeah. bah humbug type of person <laughs> when I see that. But, but it's, it's like when you really like go down deep and, and it, it's a journey and it's a process like you, to be able to face your own self. Yeah. Like literally face your own self because we are our own worst enemy. We have done shit to others that have hurt them, that stays with us, that baggage, that luggage. And we hold that so much, you know. Um, and being able to really like forgive that. And that's where love comes in, right? You have to forgive yourself to, to really truly say, I love yourself, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, yeah, none of that fluffy BS it's, it's it's hard it's a journey and you're gonna cry you're gonna have tears you're gonna like and you know I mean I, I've shed my tears more than other guys probably but yeah it's it's a journey man the guys should cry yeah it's I, healthy I, really, I believe that it's I was, I was on yeah. a I was on a seminar recently mm. and um, there were about 10 of us and one, one of the questions mm. to to us was when was the last time you cried right yeah yeah it's uh 
it's 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 good. It cleanses the soul. They say, right? Yeah, it really does. And and what you said about relationships, I think that if you look at all the important things mm. in life, yeah, where there's coaching around, yeah. right? One is one is career. Yeah. The other one is health and fitness, mm-hmm. right? And then the the last one is is relationships, right? Right. In in careers, right? It's all about like. Oh, you know, you got to work on your resume. You got to do yeah. networking and all that, and then you can land that job at McKinsey or, or, whatever, or whatever, right? right. And then health, health and fitness is like, okay, you got to wake up, do fifty push-ups, and then you're gonna um, only eat brown rice for lunch and, and get your proteins and at night no carbs, all that stuff. Yeah. But relationships is just like, oh, you just gotta wait, man. You just gotta wait. You just gotta work on yourself. Yeah, and it's it's more about yeah, just working on yourself, and that's the hardest the hardest thing in life, man. Mm. It is so hard. Even like launching a business, you know, like there's so many like beliefs about myself that I need to change. Like so many doubts, things that I feel like I can't do this or I'm not good at this, you know, things that I just, just these programs that we have in our brains. Mm-hmm. And just if you believe that, you can't do it. So it's like changing that and just going out of my way to like do things I was always, because there's that quote that says like, if when you can do what you fear the most, then you can do anything. So I love that quote. Like, cause I have, I feel like I have so many fears. <laughs> there's like, a there's a, a practice that uh, Tim Ferriss talks I love about Tim Ferriss, yeah. in the four hour work week. Yeah, called fear setting, right? Yeah, where he will ask you to go to Starbucks and ask for a discount. I don't think I read that part. Yeah, Ooh. you literally walk up and you order something and say, "Can I have a discount?" Right. Mm. I should I should do that maybe instead. I'll just like. Uh, Pick up a pick up a cute cashier, you know. Yeah, there you just go. get rejected by getting yeah. used to that rejection. <laughs> Can I get a discount and your number? Yeah, por favor. <laughs> oh, you speak Spanish. Sí, claro, señorita. ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> what makes you laugh really hard? Laugh really hard. Uh, that's a good question. I was reading that. So like that deep, pure laughter, right? When you can cry. I mean, like, so this is I, I've had a few of those, and it's usually with hanging out with my friends in Tateyama. So back at my chica, uh, with my brother, and it's man, he's hilarious. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. I love my bro. If he's listening to this, uh, you're awesome. But it's um, yeah, man. I always like when we get together, and we drink, and people are getting, we get a little tipsy and drunk. But we're all close friends. You're like you know, mm-hmm. when you're in a close friend, like when you feel that like safety. You can you just say like you, there's no fear of judgment. You don't need to be politically correct, like because we know you're just joking. And sure, some of it is not. You know, you probably wouldn't say it when you're you're not drunk. Uh, but you know, when, when you're, he just he just says so many like just crazy crap that oh man, it cracks me up. It, 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 like, so these it, are the people that that you grew up. Yeah, with my friends. Yeah, exactly. Because like there's some experiences that only like you know like again my background and upbringing. It's like so, only so many people have Are that. There a lot of inside experience. jokes. Oh yeah! Holy yeah. crap! There's a lot of inside jokes because we were once even labeled like a sex cult, apparently. Oh gosh. Yeah, but because you know the group was founded in like the hippie days, mm. so it's like free love and all mm. that, and so they had that history, mm. I guess. Uh, but yeah, man, so many good inside jokes that no one else would understand. But that's would be one, and uh, just just hanging out with fr- like real good friends. And I mean, just, you know, you don't need to be best of buddies and, you know, BFF and get their tattoos or anything, but just that level of trust, friendship, where you, there's no judgment. Mm. And, man, you just feel so safe and, like, they'll say anything. And sometimes, sometimes it's outrageous and you're like, you should not say that. 
but you're laughing your head off. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but yeah, just friends, man. And and I'm waiting for to also go to your your stand-up comedy next. So I'm I'm, I'm saving up so, some good laughter there. You know, so am I. So am I. Yeah. I can't wait to to get back on stage. It's uh, I, I find myself uh, practicing a lot of jokes at home now. I I've, I heard some I people heard. sing in the shower. I you know you, you crack jokes I, in the I shower. Got this, uh, I got this new mic that I use for the podcast. It's, right. It also it's waterproof. Oh wow! Yeah, it's actually Maybe that it's should be not. the name of your podcast. Yeah, waterproof <laughs> in the in the shower. You know, shower time. <laughs> shower time with Howard sounds a bit uh, uh, adult and interesting. It sounds very niche. <laughs> it sounds very, it sounds niche. very niche. Yeah, you might get a different, unique uh, audience. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's your target, but yeah. yeah. Um, what what music do you listen to to pump yourself up? Um, so I love Queen. I am a huge Queen fan. Get the fuck out of here are you serious i am a like probably the biggest queen fan yo um, i am a huge queen fan man we I mean, to, right. like i would love to go to one of their concerts if they were still alive I, I always thought if i could time travel and go back to wembley whenever that was 1981 whenever or, that was yeah. that mean yeah jesus like and um one of the songs that I think music for me changes, and I don't know a lot of music because growing up in that group, uh, there was like, we would call it like, like external music was disallowed. Like mm. music that wasn't part of the group. It was frowned upon, right? So I have that gap in my music knowledge. I really don't know. But I know a lot of old music like, like, the, like the 60s or like the Who and like the Doors, the Eagles. And then it's that big gap, you know, between like the 70s to like... 2000 I guess mm-hmm. I, I listened to some Limp Biscuit and um, yeah, you know I was like Green Day uh, uh, what's other guys around that 90s time you know we were sneak the music and we were like the bad boys listening to that and so Queen you had to sneak in as well. uh, Queen yeah I think so I, I yeah I think so but um, to answer your question about the song um, what was it there is um, I Want It All mm-hmm. I Want It All yeah that one that is my like, I don't know the whole lyrics to it, and unfortunately, one of my few talents I do have, singing is not one of them, so I cannot, like, I literally, like, it will hurt me to sing my throat, like, it catches, I can't carry two, and it's just like, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm doing something wrong with my throat, I don't know, my vocal cords are, sh- are shit for some reason, I, I need to go get a singing coach, but man, if that is one of my, like, wishes, is that I can sing, just so that I can just belt it out. Mm-hmm. Like, and I can just feel good and just get it and just like you know feel that music yeah there, there's something very liberating about hitting the high notes oh yeah oh um, uh, no just yeah but that queen man um, I'm, a, I'm a huge queen person uh, that is my that is my like when I want to like yeah this is it let's do it you know what do people misunderstand about you the most this is a uh, I get it quite often so most people think I'm like like a party person or like an extreme extrovert because at work like even mm-hmm. when we met mm-hmm. um especially at we work it was kind of like my baby because you know i helped start we work in japan so i would be very active in the community building the community with our members uh, people who use our spaces i would go out of my way uh and connect people introduce people organize dinners which you know you graciously enough uh, you joined as well a few of them we had Singaporean chicken rice we had Singaporean chicken rice we went to Akabane night we had the I used to have the Akabane nights once a month that place uh, had some Burmese food paired with some sake that was very interesting the couple yes Yes, the the young relatively young couple that Mm -hmm. was amazing I I want Mm -hmm. to go back there Uh, but 
Uh, yeah, I, the most the, the thing that people a lot of people I think misunderstand is um, I'm actually like I would like my how do you say the Myers Briggs personality yeah. thing. I'm an ENFJ. Mm-hmm. Like I was shocked when I got the E thing because I'm actually I prefer no I don't prefer but I like to be alone and if I can I would like within a group you know I would prefer to just be like observing in the corner like i prefer to be in the background oh, i'm not re- i okay. don't like to be in the spotlight okay but i kind of force myself to do it because i feel that's one of my like parts of me or the that that uh, i need to work on and also it's like i hate the uncomfortable silence mm-hmm. so I, like you know in, a, in those big like uh, town halls that come at company events you know and then the ceo comes up on stage and gives this whole spiel and says anyone have any questions especially in japan it's like no one raises their hand. There's that awkward silence. Mm-hmm. So I hate that awkward silence. I'll force myself to always raise their hand. Oh, and I'm always really? the person that asks any random question just because I don't like that awkward silence. Uh, but a lot of people think, oh, Aki, you're so extroverted. You're so good at breaking the ice and meeting new people. But in reality... Um, you just hate the silence. I just hate... Like, and I, like if it's by myself I love it but if it's like the awkward there's like good silence and then there's the awkward silence oh that's interesting the awkward silence is like oh god I hate it uh, so yeah something I've been working on and thankfully I'm getting better at so I'm becoming more sociable so when I first started recruiting and I first contact corporate world I was really shy and it was just painful to be a recruiter I did not enjoy it at all my first three four months or so five months uh, but yeah, I was able to work on that, and now I love, I love talking to people. I love hearing their stories um, and just listening and really understanding. And, and it's interesting because I'm still not really good at the small chit chat, like on a date. I, I'm so bad at like picking up. I've never picked up a woman, <laughs> so and I, I like seriously, I'm kind of open and honest here. Uh, and I like I hate. I'm, I'm not good at the casual. Like how do you say like first date chat you know you know what that is you know like like the yeah some guys are really good at it right, right like the right. pickup talk where the yeah they no, make I, him laugh. I'm not one of them uh and you know they bring him back home for the night after their first meeting or the second meeting I'm is like, that what happens in the adult world i i don't know because i i never can do that and i have a friend who's really good at it but for me it's like i, I i'm really just not that's just not not a, i don't know it's not like it's not in my dna or something or i don't know what is like a mental block there uh, but I do enjoy like talking about like just the deeper, deeper things like philosophical questions about like life, about people, about your fears, your dreams. I get really it. So when I start talking about that, I'll go on and on and on. Uh, so a lot of times it's really funny. I end up friend zoning a lot of my uh, uh, people I'm on dates with. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I don't get a lot of matches on Tinder or Bumble or anything, but mm-hmm. when I do meet them, I friend zone them out, man. It's really sad. Yeah, a little kind of went dark there a little bit, but a little embarrassing. But yeah, <laughs> interesting. No, I, I, but that's a lot of the misconception or misunderstanding. I think a lot of people have about. I I, I want to continue to be updated on. Your oh yeah, life. yeah. You see can, you, uh, dude. Yeah, you can be my wingman, go. man. Start, dude, start yeah, supporting down. a a fellow man in need. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. You mentioned some of the negative emotions that were associated with your upbringing. Yeah. In 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 the commune in the cult. What do you think is the one positive takeaway that, that you get out of this? Something that you have over other people who did right. not share that experience. So for me, mm. I wouldn't wish that experience on anyone 
because it really put me at a disadvantage for so many things. It really made life a lot harder for me, like especially the, the lack of education part. However, I can also see the advantages it given me because I think differently. I am different. Mm-hmm. But so for the longest time, I was ashamed of that, the fact that I was different, mm-hmm. right? I, I felt like ashamed, I was awkward, I was embarrassed by that. But I'm starting to see more and more that in a world where almost everyone is the same, like especially in the cities, like everyone fall. I mean, if you really boil it down to if you just like put black and white, just kind of box everything, it's like it's people work, they have their they literally like live for their weekends, they Netflix or they Netflix and chill or whatever people do, uh, and then they go back to work, right? That's kind of life, isn't it? Just your work is your life, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then you go on vacations every once in a while, mm-hmm. but it's like everyone's the same. They go, you, know, you go through your education, you go to university, you graduate, you go to get a job. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, I was really ashamed that I was like so different. And that was, and when you think that way, of course, it, it does put you at a disadvantage. But when you can learn to own it, when I really found out that being different is not bad. Now, we all hear this when we're, since we're young, being different is good, be different. But when you really understand it, it's actually difficult to accept because as humans we want to be liked we want to be respected we want to be part of the group mm-hmm. you don't want to be left out right uh, so being different no matter like people you know, even like on profiles or on social media it's like I'm different I'm crazy I'm wild like I, I'd rather be weird you know but when you really go down deep into it people want to belong yeah people want to be liked and so it's, I think for me that that's, that that's really was difficult for the longest time. But when I finally got to understand that, look, it was just an experience. I am not that. It, it, that happened to me as an experience. But it was a different experience. But that also gave me the perspective of seeing life from a completely different angle. So and maybe and that's also probably why like, I'm, I've been thinking, I've been like thinking about like a lot of things like death, life. You know, again, that more spiritual aspect because I was, I was like immersed in that for a while. So even though I may not be religious anymore at all, but I, I can still see from that point of view, like, cause I've experienced it, even though I don't believe in it, it's, it's a whole new perspective, right? So I can like talk to so many different people now and also living abroad, you know, working with, and you know, I've had to work with like corrupt police officers, club generals in the army to get their support for something. Yeah, or whatever, maybe they weren't all they weren't all corrupt, but you know, just being in situations that normal person in Tokyo would never would have done. You know, I was nearly uh, tear gassed uh, once. Um, you know, I, I got pulled over by the cops multiple times in Latin America. I've, um, you know, I built. I can I can say I literally built schools. I, I actually dug a sewer <laughs> for one of the projects that we were building. Uh, you know, a lot of crazy stuff. I, you know, I slept out in a tent for like a month straight that had leaking holes in the middle of the rainy season in Mexico. Lots wow. of fun. Uh, but all of these experiences is something that I can say, look, I had that. That makes me different. That also makes me interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just, and it's just, but more than being interesting, it's just being able to see life in a completely different way and just having that perspective, I think has really helped me uh, just connect with people on their deeper level mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I, I, for the longest time I thought it wouldn't. I thought it would be hindering me. Mm-hmm. But I'm realizing that it's like people are actually interested in talking about these deeper things of life because they rarely get to do that in their normal circles. Like these profound questions of, you know, just, just life in general. There's, I mean, such a deep topic, just life. Yeah, that's what I like to believe. I, I, I'd like to believe that nowadays uh, the value of authenticity is, is yeah. much, much higher than, than right. let's say, 20 years ago when, when you and I were uh, you know, growing up as kids. I think that, that being able to, to fully be yourself yeah. at work or with Anything your friends in life, or right? whatever it is, yeah. I, I, think there's, um, I think that's a very precious thing. It is, and, it is. And that's, I, I think that's something that I, that I want to continue to explore with with whoever I I get to talk to here and I want Mm. to continue to explore that by following your journey yeah please do Uh, Uh, but yeah I mean so yeah to answer your question to summarize that that question is is really just being able to have seen life from a different perspective uh, and being able to yeah connect with people from multiple backgrounds because of that experience like mm. whether you're from Mexico or Latin America whether you're Christian or Muslim or you know, Jew or, or Buddhist or Confucius or wh- whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Hindu. It's like being being part of that very, like, different, unique culture yeah. has been, has enabled me to be open to so many others as well. Right, right, right. Hey, like, so I'm hoping people can accept me because I'm such a weird-ass person, <laughs> weird-ass background, right? So it's like, you know, I'm definitely going to be willing to expect to accept anyone else. I mean, most people aren't going to have as weird a background as I did, so <laughs> at least please accept me. I'll accept you, you know? <laughs> Dude, really appreciate the uh, the honest conversation. Anytime, man. Yeah. I'm glad that we had this. It's uh, something I, I really enjoy doing. Again, I can talk about this if I'm talking about, uh, like, you know, if you're a girl, try to pick you up, the worst thing. Never go there. <laughs> <laughs> so so that time you got tear gas, that was a bad day, right? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I got, what was it, was it the, the mace? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no. It never got to that stage, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, but uh, well, who knows? folks, Aki... A beautiful man. Thank very you. Single right now. So, <laughs> That's weird. Uh, yeah. Very, very unique uh, experiences indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate Always good it. to catch up. Thanks for being here. Anytime. Anytime. Good luck with everything going on. And I'll, yeah, let's keep in touch. Always. Thank you, sir.